Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussions on Concussions podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Coombs-Renwick, and I am very excited for our guest. We have Dr. Teo Versteeg with us today, and he is the inventor and co-founder of Top Spin Technologies. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm uh, excited to be here. I'm so glad that you're here with us, and I would love for you to discuss with our listeners your history of, I know, football, your big athlete, and then what led to uh, furthering your education, and then all of a sudden, bam, here you are today, and you created Top Spin Technologies, and I would love to know everything about that. Sure. Okay. So, uh, yeah, a bit about my background. So, I'm a physiotherapist. I've been practicing sports medicine for over 20 years. Uh, back in university, I played uh, football, and uh, the whole kind of concept developed um, where all good concepts uh, do, which is at the pub after playing, uh, you know, beer league hockey. And uh, it was uh, Sidney Crosby suffered a concussion actually 10 years ago now uh, that kept him up for almost a year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being a physiotherapist and watching this and solving all the world's problems, um, I thought, you know, if his neck was stronger, he wouldn't have had such a violent concussion because it looked right. like his head wasn't even attached to his body when he got hit. And like, yeah, it was a good hit, but mm -hmm. it, it was it shouldn't have been devastating the way it was. Right? Yeah. And so it kept him up for almost a year. So, you know, it gets you thinking you see hits like that in, in football fairly routinely. Mm -hmm. And uh, back when I played football, we had the four way neck machine, which is essentially you sit down, you you push you know, one way side to side, forward and back against a weight stack, right. um, which got me thinking that will improve your neck's ability to take a heavy weight and push side to side, uh, you know, forward and back against a weight stack. Um, but it won't necessarily improve its ability to stabilize the head in space and to react quickly and suddenly to protect the brain from a potentially concussive blow. So that got me thinking, okay, so how do you, how do you train the neck to stabilize and protect the brain? And so when you look at the science, muscles, um, muscles respond very specifically to the type of training you expose them to. Mm. So the type of contractions that you need to train are called eccentric contractions. That's where the muscles are getting longer, but they're absorbing a load. They're not concentric contractions where they're shortening and pushing against the load. So basically concussion is going to happen when an impact to the body or to the head is forcing the head to move and you've got to decelerate it. You've got to slow it down before it you know, smacks off the turf or, or the ice um, or yeah, just kind of bounces between. Right. Yeah. So that was a part of it. And then the other component was most concussions, if not all involve rotational forces as well. And the four way neck machine literally only does forward back, right and left side and it doesn't do anything off those pure cardinal movements so you don't know any of the combined movements and directions and it doesn't involve any rotation so it got me thinking okay so how would you again kind of address all these kind of factors and yeah. focus on as well the fastest switch muscle fibers because concussions are fast events like no mm -hmm. matter when they happen they are sudden and so in order for that you need to focus on what are called the fastest twitch muscle fibers or type two X fibers. Um, and these involve kind of more ballistic or like plyometric type training. Like you think about jumping and, and uh, stuff like that, right. as opposed to weight training where you're just slowly moving a weight, yeah. um, weight training like that tends to take those really fast twitch fibers, the type two X, and it slows them right down into type two a fibers, um, which are, if you think about a, like a bodybuilder, or um, like, a, you know, a strongman competition, like they, they can lift a lot of weight, but you yeah. also have to give them time to lift that weight. Right. Right. I mean, if you were to see someone that was that hulking with muscles, 
you yeah. wouldn't be too afraid because you're pretty confident you could run away from it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? So that goes to show you the different components of those muscle fibers. And when you're training the neck and you think about how fast a concussion happens, you need to focus on the fastest twitch muscle fibers, not those intermediate twitch, the type 2A. So um, the type 2X are literally three times faster than the type 2A fibers. So it's, it's a dramatic difference. Wow. It's funny because mm -hmm. hearing you say all this, I'm like, this just makes so much more sense. But it's, <laughs> it's crazy with how we have more research into concussions now versus 10 years ago mm -hmm. and where it was showing like, oh, maybe, you know, I would always hear, oh, take a resistance band and just, you know, do the little neck pulls. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, that's great. And it can feel good. But in a moment, like for instance, my sixth concussion, when it was a whiplash of being rear-ended, my head and my neck were knocked all around the place there. Yeah. So it's, so fascinating hearing about topspin and how you take that and you you prevent concussions more by exercising it a little bit differently yeah dynamically training the the neck to stabilize the head as opposed yeah. to just push a heavy weight exactly yeah. oh i love that yeah and it's it's interesting because uh, back when i started um i just finished my master's in uh physiotherapy uh like uh, research-based masters and i thought oh this is great like came up with the idea all i gotta do is go to the literature find the supporting you know literature and, and go to market and yeah. at the time there was very little supporting the role of the neck in concussion mm -hmm. and so i was like well knowing how much work is going to be involved um you know i might as well turn this into a phd that way if i made a, an error in my assumption along the way at yeah. least plan B is I've got a PhD and I can go into academia. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Sounds like you've really put a lot of work and a lot of learning and education throughout this process over the years. I think that's just incredible. You started as an athlete like yourself at Western University, if I'm correct. Mm. And then yep. now you're working with athletes to make sure that they don't get to that point where if they take a hit, it's not going to be as bad. Yeah. And I mean, the, the preliminary results we're seeing are, are really exciting. Um, the other factor that I think would be more appropriate to your listeners is on the rehab side, because mm -hmm. when you look at the overlap between concussion and whiplash, such as yourself, like yeah. it's even in the literature, they are almost the symptom profiles. They're indiscernible just on subjective symptoms. It takes a, an actual detailed assessment to see, okay, are we dealing with more of a concussion or more of a whiplash because there's so much overlap of those symptoms. And a big reason is because a lot of the symptoms associated with concussion happen at the brainstem, which mm -hmm. is really closely articulated with the upper three vertebrae of the, of the neck. <laughs> Everything you're saying, I'm just like, I could nod my head a thousand times because mm -hmm. especially the difference of my previous five concussions to my latest one, this was the first time I ever experienced neck pain and, or whiplash and anything in that nature compared to my other injuries. And so most days when I'm feeling all my head pain, it mm -hmm. always comes from my neck. My neck will always hurt first. Yep. And if I don't work through it or treat it in some way, then that's when my head can flare up even more. Yep. So I, I yep. love hearing about this. Yeah. And, and speaking to that, it's really interesting. As a physiotherapist, um, when you look at the literature, although a lot of people go to a physio for neck pain treatment or a chiropractor or a massage therapist, if you look at the formal clinical literature, we are terrible at treating neck pain. 
as a society, as healthcare practitioners, we are terrible. And that's why chronic neck pain is, depending on the literature you look at, the third or the fourth leading cause of disability in the world. Wow. And it, it's fascinating, right? But now if you take a look at physiotherapists and ATs, chiros, like I would argue we're actually really good at treating an ankle sprain. So yeah. someone comes in with an ankle sprain, they've got a hot swollen ankle. We, we know how to treat, we, you know, put compression modalities, maybe some ice and just work on some active assisted range, like just getting some, some fluid pumping through there to get the inflammatory phase to settle down. The next stage of healing is called the proliferation phase. And this lasts about three weeks. And this is where scar tissue is kind of being kind of put down and laid down to try to repair the damage. So yeah. during that phase, what you want to do is some kind of active assisted range of motion, start to bring in some, some light strengthening as tolerated and really work on controlling the gait and normalizing that. Right. And so after the proliferation phase, so about the three to four week point, this is when someone who had an ankle sprain after about three or four weeks, they're like, you know, it feels pretty good. Like they walk in, it's not painful, like full range of motion. And it's like, wow, okay. As yeah. a therapist, we know if we discharge them now, the next time they come across a crack in the sidewalk, they're going to sprain their ankle. Because we need to repair the muscles and the tissues and the proprioception. So we start doing like wobble boards and dynamic loading. So jumping, bounding. And we start yeah. to really incorporate to, to challenge that scar tissue so that it can normalize properly. So once we do that, if they buy in the rehab of a, of a, like a simple ankle sprain, we can make it less likely that they're going to sprain that ankle than they were in the first place. If they stick to the rehab and, you know, dynamically loading and, and ballistically appropriately load up those muscles and those tissues to normalize and to strengthen better than they were before. So, and even if there's like ligamentous tears, you can retrain the muscles around it to compensate for that. Now, yeah. the problem with the neck and whether it's whiplash or concussion, if someone comes in with an acute neck pain, so whiplash, yeah, there's going to be inflammation that and we're pretty good. So we can do some modalities and maybe some kind of gentle mobilization. Um, and then, you know, it, after the inflammation, it goes to proliferation phase. So same stages of healing, same thing. We do some active assisted stuff, maybe some massage, um, some ART, maybe some dry needling or, you know, acupuncture and, and further modalities, mobilization, manipulation. Mm -hmm. After about three or four weeks, usually things settle down. So they come in and, yeah, I've got full active range of motion. Any pain? Nope. Okay, you're discharged. And we've only gotten to about 80%. We haven't actually dynamically loaded those damaged tissues, which we know they're going through the stages of healing, and we know what are required in order to normalize them, but we don't do it. We discharge them at the same time that, you know, with an ankle sprain, oh, full active range of motion and pain-free. Okay, next time they come across a crack in the sidewalk, they sprain their ankle. Next time they have to kind of tighten the screw under the sink, they put their neck out again and they got to go back in and get treatment. And it's, and then we get them to the same point. And that's all like with, with rehab, maybe you're lucky and you'll get a therapist who's like, Oh no, you know, let's, let's get some TheraBand strength. We got to strengthen up your neck. So you do some TheraBand strengthening. The analogy again with the ankle sprain is okay. You progress to TheraBand strengthening as a therapist. I know you're still only about three quarters of the way through your rehab when you start doing TheraBand strengthening. Even when you get strong against TheraBand, there's still so much more you need to do to normalize those tissues. TheraBand alone isn't going to do it. So why would we think that TheraBand alone for the neck is going to get you there? Especially the upper three vertebrae have the most proprioceptive fibers in the body. And unless you specifically retrain them, it won't come back. Wow. See, it's also funny when you make that comparison because I 
have also sprained my ankle. <laughs> Shocker. Very yeah. good over here. And, uh, you know, I've had, I, I think I had two times in my life I've sprayed the same ankle. Um, but both times I was able to, you know, go through physiotherapy and mm-hmm. fully get them recovered. And ever since, like, I've, I've had no issues. Mm-hmm. But the neck has been so different. And I go to probably physiotherapy twice a week and and massage once a week and i still am at that point where i need that reoccurring rehab and treatment for it mm-hmm. um, to make it feel decent <laughs> so, yeah. so it's it's really fascinating to hear more detailed side that you have that perspective mm-hmm. of where the neck um you know is sensitive and and what you need to do with it yeah, it's uh, it's funny because again, as therapists, we're really good at treating ankles, knees, you know, mm. hips, elbows, shoulders, all of that. But yeah. anything with regards to the spine, we take everything we know about the other, the entire musculoskeletal system, and we throw it out the window. It's just okay. Yeah, full range of motion. Yep. Yeah. And you know, maybe uh, you've probably if you've been doing that neck rehab, you've also been doing the deep neck flexors. Yes. Right. So <laughs> chin tucks and holding it up. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Deep neck flexor endurance is important, mm-hmm. but that it's it's not strength. It's it's literally in the name. It's deep neck flexor endurance. Endurance yeah. is not strength. You know, like a marathon runner, you would not expect to be able to deadlift four hundred and fifty pounds, right? Like, <laughs> no. you know? Yeah, that's very true. So, what is one thing then that you would suggest uh, with if you see post concussion patients uh, for treatment of like mm-hmm. post accident? Yeah, definitely having someone that obviously has experience with concussion and whiplash Mm -hmm. um, simply because, you know, more often than not, there is a neck, like I'd say over 90% of concussions involve some form of neck strain or sprain um, that needs to be addressed. Um, So having someone that is kind of familiar and has some expertise in that area, Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, as I said, and as I'm sure a lot of your listeners can appreciate that. Well, I've been going to physio and they've, they're a neck expert and a chiropractor and they're a neck expert and I still have pain. Yeah, because yeah. we're all terrible at treating it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you admit that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's hard not to when you look at like the actual evidence. And and I know there's going to be, you know, like uh, therapists and chiropractors on there who, who are listening and like, I'm great at treating it. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was too. You know, yeah. and, and literally like people would come in and, and I could get in there and get my hands on it. Like, oh, yeah, here it is. And do a manipulation mm-hmm. and mobile and just kind of free it up. And they'd feel like a million bucks when they left. Yeah. But again, no matter what, well, in most cases, especially if I've seen them twice, twice or three times in the before, I can pretty much guarantee I'm going to see them again. Yeah. Because neck pain after that first episode, if you're lucky and it doesn't have again, you're lucky. If you get a second <laughs> episode you're almost guaranteed to be a third. If there's a third, there's guaranteed to be a fourth. And yeah. same thing with concussion. And a lot of it, unfortunately, it's it's the same biomechanical principles of neck pain that predispose to concussion. So when we're talking about concussion, there's a, a great study that was on, it was 2014, that showed for every one pound increase in composite neck strength led to a 5% decreased risk of concussion. Wow. So this was in a group of 6,700 high school athletes. And after controlling for gender and sport, they still showed that this relationship held true. And so when you look at the interesting things, when you look at, you know, on, uh, I guess, two different levels, people who have 
the one thing researchers can hang their hat on for future concussion risk is, have you ever experienced a concussion? Yes, you are more prone to experiencing another concussion. Have you experienced multiple concussions? Yes, you are even more prone to experiencing a multiple another concussion. Yeah, exactly. I remember after number five, a specialist was like, okay, be careful. <laughs> we really can't have to get another concussion. Yep. And then I was like, okay, I'm on it. And so, you know, you cut out certain activities, yeah. like I, you'll never catch me on a roller coaster again or skiing certain things where I'm like, that's not for me. Yep. I know that's okay. And uh, then all of a sudden the misfortune of a car accident, you can't prevent. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and it, it's, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's really unfortunate, and you know um, we're working on the research with the with the Thompson. But like up until now, we haven't had the tools to to do anything about it because we haven't had a way to dynamically load those muscles and that the even the proprioceptive and the balance system in a way that trains the neck, the body to stabilize the head again. Yeah, even just hearing when you said earlier of you know there is the correlation between concussions and neck injuries. Like that's, I really don't feel like that's said enough. Yeah. And I feel like more people need to hear yeah. about that because right away you just think, Oh, it's my brain. There's no other yeah. problems in the area like neck to shoulders. And it's like, Oh no, there are things that you need to do here in order of treating yourself and preventing further injuries. In in my experience, those with post-concussion syndrome, mm -hmm. uh, now, you know, I've got probably a biased data set because I'm always looking for it, but I have not had someone with prolonged symptoms that did not have some component of neck involvement. Yeah. And mainly because the brain itself is incredible at healing itself. Yeah. It's really, really good. Unless it's not given the proper situation where it's not the brain, but it's the tissues around it that keep irritating the nerves that are trying to get better, but they keep getting irritated because of this really sensitive area between the neck, the brain stem and the brain. Yeah. And if you don't have a, a proper, you know, stable base for the brain to sit in, mm -hmm. you're going to be irritating all those sensitive tissues and structures and flaring yourself up. Every time you, oh, crap, I looked the wrong way there. Oh, my head. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that is very relatable. And it's funny because if you had told me this before <laughs> my sixth concussion, I would have been like, okay, yeah, like I could see that. But I really never experienced this chronic pain of my neck and dealing with this whole upper area until the latest concussion. And that's why mm -hmm. I find it's almost been four years and I'm dealing with all these awful symptoms still on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah. So hearing you say that, I'm like, yes, I'm heard. I'm seen like, <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, like you said, like right now, um, the tools that are available to most healthcare practitioners do not address the underlying musculoskeletal injury of the neck yeah. and how to retrain and normalize those tissues. Yeah. Oh, this is just so great. And that's, and it's interesting also with uh, your ankle sprain. Yeah. So both of them happened after your, at least your first concussion. Yes, both after the first concussion. Yeah. So after an initial concussion, athletes are up to three times more likely to suffer a lower extremity injury, such as an ankle sprain or a knee injury. What? Yes. Oh my goodness. So on first blush, you're like, huh? That doesn't make any sense. How can, no, how can, how can a brain? No, yeah. no, that doesn't, no. <laughs> 
right? Yeah. Except for when you take that with a grain of salt and, and apply to what we've been talking about, where anytime there's a concussion, there's a neck injury. Right. So if we just make that assumption, okay, I'm going to be bold and just throw it out there. The neck, as I mentioned, the upper three vertebrae have the most proprioceptive fibers in the body. And that's not by coincidence or a waste of resources is because it's very important for how we articulate with gravity. Mm. So our visual system and our inner ear are attached to the brain and the way this system communicates with our body to navigate the world is through the neck. Mm -hmm. So the proprioception of the neck has to be absolutely spot on. If it's off, as an example, if it's off by half a degree, if it's the brain, you know, thinks the body's here, but it's actually here then the leg goes to put where it's expecting gravity because of the visual system, but it's off half a degree. All of a sudden, whoop, how did that happen? What? I just rolled over my ankle. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. You can tell you're an expert in this. (laughs) (laughs) I've, 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 uh, I've read a couple articles on this topic. (laughs) Yeah, you know. (laughs) Wow. That is absolutely incredible to hear this. And uh, what would one piece of advice for our listeners be? that you that you would have yeah i think um you know uh a lot of people are taking a look at the neck but but having someone um with a lot of uh, cervical you know cervicogenic uh experience uh taking a look and and seeing and and properly assessing and and the thing i would do is um for patients get your therapist to measure your neck strength Mm -hmm. now that's something else that is kind of not addressed and just see okay where, where are you sitting at is this you know like yeah um, we, with therapists, we measure strength in every other part of the body. Why not measure neck strength? Now, unfortunately, um, as I've also learned with the kind of doing research and, and chatting with therapists and across disciplines, um, yeah, one of the reasons why we're not good at strengthening or we're also not very good at measuring neck strength. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, unless you do it, you, you don't know. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Well, I definitely feel like there must be at least a handful of listeners out there that when they hear this, they might go, I've never thought about my neck. I've never mm-hmm. thought about how I'm treating it or how much it has impacted my latest concussion. So mm-hmm. I really hope that, you know, this will give that fresh perspective and they they go running to their physiotherapist or go out and find some treatment and and you know, discuss these things, but I would mm. also love for you to um, talk about top spin technologies. And I know that you're based out of London, Ontario, mm-hmm. and just explain, you know, your services, anything you'd like to share. Just, I will be attaching your website and information so that our listeners can check this out, especially those who are athletes, I know will find this very useful. I mm. really enjoyed looking at your website and your Instagram. There was this one post from February and it was, you had a video of a football player who took a hit and got a concussion. And I believe said that he was out for the season or at least mm-hmm. was out for a bit. And uh, then there was the video of the one athlete who's been, you know, using top spin training on it and been training on it. And I just looking at the video difference, like I couldn't believe it. Like how it's, it's dramatic. I was like, this is an amazing comparison. I am yeah. going to share that video along with this podcast, because I think it's so cool for people to see that and how you can really see the visible difference. Yeah. Yeah. And actually um, on that, we haven't uh, posted because we like uh, don't have, 
permission, but uh, certainly have permission to talk about with uh, the Citadel women's volleyball team. Mm. So uh, back in 2018, they had eight head injuries on a team of 24 players. So women's volleyball is like the fourth leading cause of concussion in the NCAA, mm. and especially the D1 level. Like these women are able to to spike the ball at, at over 70 miles per hour. Like it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. So this thing's just come lightning fast, right? And uh, they uh, so back in 2018, obviously eight concussions are a bit desperate to find a solution to this. So they, yeah. they reached out to us. They started training in 2018 to 2019. 2019, they had went from eight concussions down to zero. Oh and then goodness. in 2020, you know, you expect a bit of regression to the mead. They yeah. had another zero concussion season. So they've now got back to back zero concussion seasons. And the head coach sent me this video of, of this one girl. He's like, take a look at this. So they'd all been training. Yeah. And she was um, with this video, like D1, a perfect set. This girl just tattoos it. The girl, the Citadel girl is waiting for it. She can't get her hands, like from here to here, she can't get her hands up in time. It beams her right off the face, <gasps> proceeds no. to bounce off of her face, goes up into the rafters and comes back down. So literally, like we, we calculated that the ball was coming off of her face at over 50 miles per hour to get up that high. Oh so like it was, it was like she couldn't get her hands up smacked her she put her hand down and she was backtracking the ball and then later on in that same like play she had to do it like a head dive into and planted her head into the post and then right back into it and nobody reacted at all during this because it happened so fast no one realized that she got beamed off the face so it was like after after the play the coach was like you got your hands up on that one didn't you oh god no that beat me right off the face uh okay we got to check you for a concussion Coach, I'm fine. Why? What What do you got to do? We got to check you for a concussion. So so they, she was pissed off that they were checking for a concussion. They ran her through the protocol. Yeah. No concussion. No symptoms later that day. None at all. That's so, incredible. Interestingly, she got on the top spin. So our key metric is rate of force development. It's not, as I mentioned, it's not how strong your neck is. It's how quickly can you generate force and stabilize the head. Yeah. So our device gives you a direct measurement of that. And the average female who puts it on, never used it before, will be around three pounds of force per second. Yeah. This athlete leading up to this game had been up to 18 pounds of force per second. Oh, my goodness. She got beamed absolutely fine. The only thing that, that showed up was two days later when she did topspin, her numbers dropped for that session, and mm. then they went back up. So she obviously absorbed that entire blow yeah. through her face and her head, through her neck. Whereas like I've seen so many concussions and, and I mean, even rec volleyball, people will get like a concussion yeah. from being beamed with that. This is a D one, like top notch female volleyball player spiking this at over 70 miles per hour. And she was not concussed. Oh my goodness. Like you have left me speechless yeah. and for listeners. My jaw has dropped this entire <laughs> time. I swear. Cause that is just so cool to hear. Oh my goodness. Mm. Like I could never even imagine being able to play like a little beach volleyball with some friends at a friendly sport ever again. Exactly. Like, get a loan, like do you want level and take that hit? Wow. Yeah. That just makes, must make you feel so good when you see that what you've created is really helping people and mm. making that difference. That is so awesome. Yeah. It's uh, it's, Ugh. it's been exciting. It's honestly like, as the like the results are coming in with uh with the the research it's 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 exceeding even my like highest hopes it's 
I'm just, uh, yeah, like really, really excited and just like, holy crap, this is incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. And now with um, the whole like head setup of Topspin, are you able to just have clients like come in and train with you? Or is there also an option of people ordering their own and going through the process from home? So um, we do have like a, a few clinics that are, as we're starting to roll it out as a, as a rehab tool, um, mm. we're, we're now installed in all the, uh, Canadian military, the physiotherapy clinics across Canada. Um, so they're using it as a rehab tool. Uh, and we've got a few clinics that like, as we kind of rolled out that are starting to uh, kind of play around with it. Cause we, we've really just started to get into the rehab market. I, obviously as a physio, I've always known there's a strong rehab component, but yeah. I was more interested in, in the preventative side. Like, Hey, listen, let's get this upstream. Cause there's nothing that can prevent a concussion. If an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And in this case, I'd say it's worth a lot more because as you know, like a concussion, it's not like an ankle sprain that ah, you can live with a chronic ankle. Yeah. If you've got like post-concussion syndrome, this affects every aspect of your life. Yeah. Let's, I mean, yeah, it's great for treating it, but ooh, let's go upstream and see if we can stop it in the first place. And from the looks of it, like it's, it's, it's quite promising that we can. <sighs> That's so awesome. That just makes me so happy. <laughs> the more people that can not have to suffer from concussions or at least as bad, the better. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I'm at this point where I'm always like, oh, watch out, watch out. Be safe if you do sports and be safe if you do this. And I know that yeah. I don't want to be, if I have kids in the future, one of those worrying moms, like, I just can't have my kids suffer a concussion like I did. Yeah. The more yeah. preventative measures, the better. I'm really glad that you're able to, that you came up with this, first of all, and then mm. you're able to to put it out more. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been exciting. Yeah. That is so good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was yeah, thank you for having pleasure. Me. I loved this. And I hope that that others who listen to it will will find it very helpful and will check out Top Spin. And uh, I am really excited to to share more about Top Spin on discussions on concussions. So thank you sure. so much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, that's it for today, everyone. Remember to rest that head of yours.